Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Howdy, partners. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. That's not usually the, the uh, intro that I would use for a fantasy baseball show, but it is what it is. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, you don't just get me for the whole hour. You checked your calendar. You know it is a Tuesday with Modica. Matt Modica with me for the entire hour. Matt, how goes it? Oh, it's going good today, Alex. The weather's getting really nice here in Manhattan. Yeah, not not so much in Manhattan, Montana, which is actually not far from where I am. <laughs> How's the horse doing, by the way? Uh, horse is great. Horse, yep, yeah. horses, yeah, you know, out of the out of the blanket because it is warm enough here. Uh, getting rid of the winter coat, but uh, yep, uh, no, Jay's awesome. But uh, yeah, no, we're not. We're just down down the road from Manhattan, Montana, which is you know different surroundings than what what you're looking at right now. Yeah, no. Uh, well, hopefully this is uh, will transform the uh, East Coast, Midwest, and baseball weather. And the home runs will be back up again for those that just love offense. I think so. I mean, I've definitely noticed over the past week or so that the show's gotten a little less pitching centric. There've been some, you know, uh, big hitting performances to to pay attention to. So we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, and uh, well, we we do have uh, quite quite a bit to get to today. Of course, big news uh, and very much unwelcome news with Corey Seager, uh, said to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, but in much better news, we've got a couple of really nice uh, pitching prospects uh, that are uh, getting the call. Uh, and also Nick Kingham, who's already gotten the call. He's going to get uh, at least one more turn for the Pirates. We've got a uh, kind of sort of Yoanda Cespedes uh, update and uh, the usual uh, check-in on lineups and weather and looking at yesterday's performances and all, all the usual stuff. And uh, you and I, Matt, have been planning this for about a week where uh, there are some, you know, still some really weird stats uh, out there, you know, for players that don't necessarily make a lot of sense over time. I think most of those are going to wash out. We'll see one way or, or the other uh, if uh, some of the, the stats that don't look right actually are right. But, but uh, <laughs> we're going to look at some of those players today. So I think uh, we, we picked out some good ones. That sounds like a plan. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's 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 execute the plan. Uh, so that that big news, uh, Corey Seager to have Tommy John surgery out for the remainder of 2018. So that's going to leave a lot of us looking for a replacement and and probably at a position where you would the least likely want to have to do that. So uh, is there anybody out there, uh, and I realize, you know, different depths of league, so, you know, we'll, we'll attack this from a few different angles, but is there anybody that's uh, a free agent in, in a lot of formats that's just jumping out at you as, as the person to target? I mean, in a 12-team league, if uh, Scott Kingery's been dropped, it's not been a good start to the 2018 season overall, especially the last couple of weeks. He should have shortstop eligibility in most, like, I think Yahoo's only five games, so he probably has it already. Or if not, you need the 10. He's almost there. I take a shot on him because he's got pop and he's got, he does have speed. The speed is real. He's a guy in that type of a format, in a 15 team format. Nick Ahmed is still out there. Uh, I know he did something similar to this a couple of years ago, that first month, but I do believe it seems like he has a new approach and it seems to be taking. Interesting. Well, I, I did want to discuss them later on in the show, so we can dig into uh, more why you're you're buying into Nick Ahmed uh, so far this year. Uh, Kingery, by the way, is up to nine appearances at shortstop. So, 
if he's not eligible in your format, he ought to be very soon. So I, I certainly like that recommendation. Uh, you know, one uh, hitter that I actually I would have discussed a little bit on yesterday's show, but I, I ran out of time. Um, Miguel Rojas. Now, this is I, this starts with 15 teamers uh, and certainly not anything shallower than that. But um, in the great fantasy baseball invitational, um, my middle middle infielders are just going down one after another. And um, so my, actually my uh, shortstop right now is Les, uh, Lemus Diaz. My middle infielder is Daniel Descalso. So um, I actually thought about picking up Rojas in that league. And I thought, oh, you know, he's shown some power, but I, I just don't think it's legit. But the more I looked into it, the more I thought, Maybe this is legit for Rojas, and I think he's going to continue to play regardless of the status of JT Riddle, and I, I'm not really sure how much longer he's got to go to come back, but I could see Rojas keep playing. So, again, that's that's more of a deep league play, but certainly if Lourdes Gurriel were out there, I'd rather uh, certainly have him. Uh, I think probably at this point, even though he's off to a terrible start, Cattell Marte, I'd rather have him. So th- those would be sort of the deep early options that I'd be looking at. Yeah, I agree at. on most of those names. And I'm just hoping Goriel does turn into something. They do seem to really want to give him a chance and like his uh, possible future. So he's definitely a guy, if still out there, I would consider. Yeah, no, I would too. And actually, I want to throw one more name out there that I is was sort of an oversight for me, but shouldn't have been. And that's uh, Kike Hernandez, who now stands to play a lot uh seeker's actual replacement um so that's another name to throw in there again i would well, say 15 let me ask you a question deeper. with the yeah. I, I do believe you know kiki has that platoon split where he just crushes lefties but i think it's going to be taylor who gets the the majority of starts at shortstop yes and i, think I actually i agree up I, in the outfield. right 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 so yeah and, and as soon as i said that I realized I wasn't being accurate. So he'll, I think he will absorb the bulk of the the vacancy that is left by Seeger, but he won't physically be replacing him at shortstop. But he is shortstop eligible, at least in CBS and I think in some other formats as yeah, well. Yeah, no, I think even in the deeper uh, NFBCs, he's shortstop eligible as well. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. That was a fair game. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, bad, you know, bad news for uh, the Corey Seager owners and, and even in the shallower leagues, it's it's tough to find uh, uh, certainly a, an adequate replacement. Did, did you ever change your view like throughout the offseason in the beginning into the middle? I stayed away from Seager, but it got really tempting as we got closer and his stock was still falling in like that, you know, fourth or sometimes in the fifth round. It was hard to pass up, and I do have him on a couple of teams. Yeah, and I don't. Um, and, you know, he's one of a handful of players where I look back, and, of course, in, in this case, I, I can't say I regret it, given the outcome, but he's one of a handful of players where, you know, I look back after all my drafts were done, it's like, well, that's weird, because the value was really good, and I, I didn't foresee this. I mean, I thought maybe he'd uh, miss some time early on, maybe take a while to heat up, but I thought he was a great value, but I just I never did. Never did pounce on it. So uh, that's, yeah, I, I, that my, I would say my view definitely changed as uh, the drafts went on. Yeah, rock up to Seeker. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit here. Uh, everybody loves a, a prospect call up. Uh, we've got a pair to talk about. Uh, well, actually, um, Mike Sorak is already up. Or, I guess I take that back. He wasn't already up with the Braves, but he was scratched from his last start in preparation of being called up. Now he is getting called up uh, to start uh, kind of sort of in place of, of Julio Tehran. Basically what the Braves are doing is that they're they're pushing both uh, Sean Newcomb and Tehran back a day to give Tehran just an extra day of rest. So Soroka will pitch uh, tonight against the Mets. Uh, so before we actually talk about him, uh, this is a situation that I feel like I've seen over and over again where somebody in the rotation gets pushed back a day. It's a precautionary thing, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, then they wind up going on the DL. So is uh, this, uh, you think, a concern for the, the Julio Tehran owner? I, the reason I'd be concerned is I was watching that start versus the Phillies, and the Phillies broadcast the team. I was uh, crooked. I forget who else. 
But they were saying he was go- he was pretty much hitting between eighty five and eighty seven. It's not like Tehran was throwing ninety five, but when you're throwing eighty nine ninety, and there's that much of a uh, of of a decline, that's worrisome to me. I'm more upset in the fact that I wanted Newcomb to have that two step. The Mets uh, have a terrible uh, OPS versus left handed pitching this year. That they're one of the worst in baseball. That, that they do. So, so I was quite upset about that. I'm a big Sean Newcomb guy. I know he's going to have the hits and misses here and there with the control, but I was looking forward to that. Well, you know, and I'm probably as much of a Sean Newcomb detractor as you're probably going to find. Um, and I picked him up in uh, one of my head-to-head points leagues for the two starts because I like the matchup so much, including the or maybe especially the Mets. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just disappointing to me, too. Uh, but uh, should at least be one one good start there for Newcomb, I would expect. Um, so get back to Mike Soraka. Uh, I don't know what the long term deal is going to be for him. I I would think you know maybe similar to Kingham if if he pitches well tonight, I, I would think it'd be hard for the Braves to send him back down. Well, I from what I know from my prospect peeps, he's like the one of the more polished uh, starters in the minor leagues. And the only thing that's going to be interesting here is if Te- if Julio Tehran does not go to the DL, they're going to start having a, a wealth of arms in this rotation. Uh, Gohara is rehabbing. And I don't think they want to bring him up necessarily to send him right back down. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez is not going to be a roadblock for anyone, even though he did pitch well in a couple of starts. So, yeah, I think if Soroka pitches well, Somehow, some way, they're going to try and uh, keep him in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a tough call. Uh, you know, and as our friend uh, Nando likes to say, these things work themselves out. Uh, unfortunately, usually at somebody's expense. But, you know, to me, and, and I hate to say this because this is somebody I do have in several leagues. I like him a lot. But it seems like Brandon McCarthy might give way. Um, you know, just because he's he's been good but not great so far. It doesn't seem like he's going to be you know, a big part of the Braves' long-term future. And, and, you know, also just by process of elimination, I don't see Tehran, if healthy, going to the bullpen. fulton has been good. And, uh, you know, and, and Newcomb's going to, you know, I don't see him losing his spot. So that, that leaves Brandon McCarthy. And, you you know, I agree with you uh, in terms of Luis Gohara. He actually was activated but then sent down. And so technically he's not rehabbing anymore, but uh, – you know, I think he could be up in the next week or two. And if Tehran's healthy, I mean, it's got to be McCarthy, right? I, I'm going to think that, uh, you know, based on Tehran's, you know, tenure with the club and all that age and stuff. I think if McCarthy does get pushed aside, he would be someone maybe they trade away. You know, there's plenty of teams that can use pitching. Not that he's going to bring back a, a, a huge hall or anything, but there are teams that can use a Brandon McCarthy. When he does pitch, like you said, he hasn't been great, but he's still good. He'll give you five, maybe he gets to into the sixth, but he is useful, especially in today's uh, pitching landscape. Yeah, so maybe that's an, an early trade, and the Braves can afford to do it because they've they've got pitching depth. You know, they've had Matt Whistler up. Uh, you could always put Max Freed in, in the rotation, although he's in the, in the bullpen right now, so they, they've got all kinds of depth. Um, so that's very, yeah, very Max Freed kind of gets overlooked by everybody. I know he's a bit wild at times. Uh, he he was pretty electric in the Arizona Fall League, and it's going to be interesting to see what his role is truly defined on this team this year. Yeah, I'd like to see him start, but, you know, I think that now you've got a list of, like, eight guys I'd like to have in the Braves <laughs> rotation. So, you know, maybe he uh, you know winds up being one of these uh, – you know, studly middle of relievers that has a little bit of fantasy value. Uh, it, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. Um, the Twins also, uh, with a little more depth than I mean, they you know in the spring it looked like they had you know maybe like two viable starters. Uh, now they're calling up Fernando Romero and Phil Hughes, who was just recently activated, put in the rotation. He's going to go to the bullpen. So Romero obviously not getting the kind of buzz uh, that Soraka is, but. Uh, how are you liking Romero, and how do you like his chances to, to stick around? Uh, you know what? He's a guy that I really wasn't uh, too familiar with. I would, I thought that it was going to be 
Steven Gonzalez, Gun, I can't say his name, Gonzalez, whatever. And okay, he's well, I think he just pretty, said it, yeah. Yeah, he's pitched pretty well this year. I know he's got uh, too many walks, but he is striking guys out. But, uh, yeah, this is an interesting name. If he can hit, and then you bring up uh, the, you bring up the next guy as well, it's just creating more depth for a team that needs this kind of depth. Uh, you know, they've been pitching deficient for years now. Uh, and what's his name? Big Irv, hopefully on the comeback sooner than later. And maybe the Twins can cultivate something here. Yeah, maybe. And uh, on yesterday's show, um, I had Trevor May on. He's going to be back in, in a little less than a month. He's being uh, stretched out to start. But, uh, you know, he said on the air he really has pretty much no idea, you know, ultimately what his role is going to be. And I'm sure it's going to be dependent on things like if Romero works out and, uh, you know, Lance Lynn, who we'll talk about a little bit later, if he turns mm-hmm. it around. And, you know, so it just seems like that Twins rotation – could really go to either of the polar extremes in terms of having lots of great depth or or really being in a bad situation, uh, you know, uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, now, I, I said at the beginning, I have kind of sort of a suspicious update. Now, I've got a more definitive one uh, because the original update I got just a little bit before the show from the Bergen Record was that Mets got good news on Cespedes, uh, and he may be in a lineup faster than anticipated. Well, I can tell you that the speed of that return for Jonas Cespedes is, is right now. Uh, he is going to be in the lineup and in left field uh, against Mike Soraka and the Braves. So this is good. Yeah, I, I watched that on Sunday. He stole second, then he stole third, and then he was out of the game. So, you know, I'm glad to hear something finally broke well for the Mets. Yeah, no, break, breaks very well for the Mets. Less well for me uh, as I started uh, Brandon Nimmo this week in... Uh, I think it was the Beat Al Melchior League, which is aptly named because there's a lot of people beating Al Melchior in that league right now. Uh, anyway, uh, lots more to get to. Uh, Miguel Sano update, uh, Anthony Rendon update, lots of news, lineups, weather, and players that might be faking us out, all that and more right after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, with me here for Tuesdays with Modica, appropriately so, Matt Modica. <laughs> I'm happy to be here every Tuesday, Al. All right, all right. Well, uh, I tried to, uh, do as best as I could, take a look at all the lineups uh, during the break there. Uh, a few th- th- things uh, worth noting. Uh, we'll uh, get to that a little bit later. Um, but uh, like I mentioned right before the break, we got some other uh, injury updates, lots to get to here, and we will get to it as soon as I just remind you that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contest this summer with Daily Roto's MLB projections and optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all of the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live Final Finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium. Save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for your very self. Uh, okay, so uh, let's see. So I mentioned uh, Cespedes back in the Mets lineup. I do not actually see an entire Mets lineup yet, but I'm sure we'll be getting to that shortly. Uh, the Nationals uh, have not yet decided what the next step is going to be for Anthony Rendon, according to MLB.com. Uh, 
could be activated right away, which is which is what the speculation has been for several days. Uh, but he may go on a rehab assignment. So this is definitely one if you've got Rendon as a possibility for a daily uh, lineup league, like I do, by the way. Uh, this is something you've got to be checking on uh, all the time. Just quit your job and, and check on that. Uh, <laughs> hey, Al, maybe, maybe, you... maybe don't take that advice. Did you see that Bryce Harper is leading off for the Nationals? Well, no, I didn't. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do you know? Wow. I, I, I mean, I, I can't think that this is going to be a thing. No, I got to think it's just one of those things like Joe Madden used to do with like Longoria or Brian at times just to get them going, see some, you know, fastballs and stuff. Uh, well, you know, while we're talking about uh, lineups, um, the, the Braves lineup is out, and Enciarte's batting ninth behind Mike Soraka, uh, and he's been batting ninth for, for a few days now. Uh, do you think that's going to stick? Because when, when that first started happening, I got on here and said that I, I just don't, he's just too good of a hitter. Uh, I agree, he's too good of a hitter, but for now, uh, Albies one and Acuna two. Uh, that seems pretty good as well. So it's really a tough – it's a tough uh, kind of – I wouldn't bat him ninth every day. I could maybe see it versus left-handed pitching. But Syndergaard, yeah. you know, I, that I find a little curious. I think maybe versus lefties he bats ninth. But I think eventually I'm with you. He'll get back to that number one spot. Yeah, and if he's going to bat ninth, then that, that certainly would make a lot of sense uh, to just limit it to, to lefties. Uh, Miguel Sano, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, is not making much progress with his hamstring injury. And uh, actually, that's not just according to the Star Tribune. That's directly from Paul Molitor telling the Star Tribune. And Sano may be available to pinch hit, but uh, a DL stint is not out of the question there for Miguel Sano. So definitely stay on top of that one. Robbie Ray's already been placed on the DL. He's been diagnosed now with a grade 2 oblique strain, according to MLB.com. Uh, a couple of moves yesterday for the Rockies. They finally put DJ LeMahieu, uh with his hamstring injury on the DL and activated Carlos Gonzalez, as was anticipated. David Peralta uh, sustained a right-hand contusion, so much better than uh, that could have been. Uh, X-rays were negative, and he is just day-to-day, so very good news there for, for David Peralta. Mike Moustakis was plunked by uh, Eduardo Rodriguez in last night's game. And according to MLB.com, x-rays on his forearm were negative, and he, too, is day-to-day. Dallas Morning Star is reporting that Rugnet Odor is at least another week away from being activated. Uh, He's on a DL with a hamstring injury. Scooter Jeanette, who was out of the lineup yesterday, but at showtime I had not realized he was injured. Uh, He is out of the Reds lineup today. And uh, Jeanette had an MRI for uh, his right shoulder. I haven't seen any results uh, for that yet. He is uh, apparently, at least according to MLB.com, he is available to pinch hit, but will not throw for a few days. So expect to see Jeanette out of that red lineup for a while. Also from MLB.com, Bruce Bochy saying that uh, Massive Bumgarner, easy for me to say, could be throwing uh, off a bullpen mound within a couple of weeks. Giants also uh, announced that uh, Joe Panic has had surgery to repair the tear in the UCL in his left thumb, and he's going to be out for at least six, six weeks as anticipated. And finally, uh, Randall Gritchick is expected to miss the next three weeks due to a strained right knee, uh, and uh, he injured himself on Sunday, and now he's going to be out for uh, about three weeks. So getting back to lineups, I mentioned Jeanette is out. We already talked about uh, the Braves lineup. Only other thing maybe of note there is Ryan Flaherty back in at third base. No Johan Camargo. And uh, let's see. We talk- oh, there is the Mets lineup. Suspect is batting third. He's in. He is in. And uh, let's see what else we got here. I mentioned the Reds. Uh, Rosal Herrera filling in. At second base and batting seventh. And uh, we talked about Scott Kingry earlier. Of course, we should expect him to get a lot of time now at shortstop uh, with uh, J.P. Crawford on the DL. So Kingry is, in fact, now getting his 10th game at shortstop today, uh, batting seventh in the Phillies order. 
And uh, Marlins lineup is out, but nothing, I think, much to see there. Cubs lineup is out. No Wilson Contreras. No Albert Almora. You got uh, Ian Happ. Now they're facing a righty, John Gray. Uh, you got Ian Happ in center uh, and uh, batting eighth. And, uh, Matt, I think that pretty much covers it, unless uh, there's something. I missed the Harper thing. No, just real quick in that Cubs game, I believe the wind is blowing out. I double-checked that before. But if that's the case, that's, you know, that changes Wrigley. Because Wrigley can either giveth or taketh away. <laughs> and if the wind's blowing out, that's not good for the pitchers. So this is, you know, I, I see them stacking their lefties there. Uh, real quick, I'm super excited. Kingry will now get that 10th game. I needed that 10th game at shortstop. But just wanted to touch on the Scooter Jeanette thing. I know Senzel kind of hurt himself over the weekend, but it doesn't appear that it was serious because he homered, I believe, last night. He's been playing second base. Do you see him possibly getting an opportunity to come up now? We were maybe thinking June, but maybe in a week or so. Right. Uh, yeah, I think this this could change it. So, you know, it sounds like we're kind of in a holding pattern with Jeanette, but I think if it's something where he does have to go on the DL, then, um, you know, especially given that's his shoulder, maybe he's he's out for a while. Um, I think that – I would think that would change the equation, although, you know, we were saying the same thing when Suarez went down, right? So uh, – but, you know, I, I do think it could change things. I'm not sure at this point what – uh, what the Reds would be waiting for, you know, other than for just to make sure that Senzel himself is is fully healthy. Mm-hmm. How how do you read that? I, I just think that I think that does help him get here sooner. I, I know Suarez came back sooner than anyone expected, and now that Gannett has this injury, maybe it's nothing, but he had the MRI. He can't throw for a few days. That doesn't sound too good. To me, and the fact that Senzo is now playing second base, I think they're looking for a way to get him in there, and this might open that up. Yeah, well, that you know, those things certainly add up. So uh, I, it certainly makes me a little bit more optimistic in terms of a Senzo call-up. Uh, I do have an update on the Sano situation. The Twins have placed him on the DL retroactive to April 28th. They have called up Gregorio Petit from AAA Rochester to take his roster spot, and... Uh, Petit also takes the uh, 40-man roster spot of Dietrich Enns, who's been DFA'd because, uh, unfortunately, the Enns uh, does justify those means. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sorry. And also, Twins have returned Tyler Kinley to the Marlins. Uh, he was a Rule 5 pick. So, a whole bunch of Twins moves there. Uh, so, a uh, couple of uh, other Giants notes mentioned the thing about uh, Bumgarner. Um Oh, actually, I take that back. I already went through that. So <laughs> I'm repeating myself. But what we can do now, uh, there, there's really not much in terms of the weather, like you mentioned. I guess I should look at the, the Cubs thing there. Uh, yeah, this could be very windy. So, uh, But, yeah, nothing, nothing that looks like a potential delay other than maybe Blue Jays at Twins. Uh, there's uh, going to be a, a strong chance of rain late in the evening. But at that point, I think they would you know, probably get the game in. And uh, just looking for the starters. Oh, that's Estrada and Gibson in that one. Uh, yeah, so what we can get to now, Matt, is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you and I uh, collaborated, mostly you actually, <laughs> came up with a list of some players uh, who look like they might be faking us out, either in a good or a bad way, some players that are worse than we imagined, some players that are better than we imagined. A lot of these players just profiling very differently. Um, so it's not even necessarily a better or worse thing, but just showing some some kind of skill that they didn't necessarily have in the past. So um, I've included Trevor Bauer on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a piece, um, actually, yeah, just last night on Nick Kingham for uh, Fantrax. And it was mostly about Kingham, but I also did a little bit of research on pitchers who have um, increased their slider usage because that was a big story with Kingham was the new slider. And nobody has increased their slider usage more from last year to the, this year than Trevor Bauer has. And the, the he had a, a very good strikeout game on Monday, but still his strikeout rate's not substantially different than it was in the past. But his overall numbers are better. So uh, you, you buying what uh, Trevor Bauer is selling us so far? 
I'm buying Bauer. I'm not buying a two and a half ERA. I thought he was probably a mid threes uh, ERA this season, which is very good. I mean, people uh, sometimes discount like a, a three fifty or three seventy as not being that good. It's actually really good if you pitch close to two hundred innings and you can get strikeouts. The thing here that's really exciting for Bauer owners is the first pitch strike is at a career high right now. It's like 64%. He was really always in like, you know, the high 50s for first pitch strike. So this is a considerable uptick there. The other thing, when you want to talk about the strikeouts, you said like the strikeout percentage is kind of the same, but what's kind of re, what's kind of confirming it for me here is the swinging strike percent, which has been around 9% his whole career, 9 to maybe 95 is at 12% so far this year uh, there's, over whatever. There's a slider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also what has gone up, which makes me believe in it, is the chase rate is now almost is about 32%, something that's always been in the mid-20, you know, in the mid-20. So this is these are things that if they stick are – Tangible reasons why you should believe it. And last year, the difference between him in the first half and the second half was really BABIP and left on base percentage. And yep. when that kind of corrected in the second half, you saw a better pitcher. I believe his ex-fit last year was like around 360. I think he's that kind of a pitcher. You know, maybe there's some upside on that too, but that's what I would bank on. Well, yeah, and, and you know, you, you make the reference back to last year, and what that echoes for me is sort of the way we've been talking about Didi Gregorius, how he, you know, kind of, except not just for half a season, for two full seasons, kind of beat the um, uh, the peripherals, what the peripherals would suggest. Uh, and this year is, is legitimately hitting with more power. And, you know, with Bauer, the second half of last year looked a little bit like smoke and mirrors. But with the introduction of the slider, which he's throwing, I think, just uh, under 20% of the time, uh, he is improving the chase rate and, uh, the, and the whiff rate. Uh, the, sort of the flip side of that is that he's, uh, he's been able to elevate his strikeout rate in the past with a lot of called strikes, and, and those are down because he's just getting more swings. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I do think it makes him a better pitcher. Yeah, no, without, without a doubt. And, you know, the the Indians, they don't have Mickey Calloway anymore. He's managing the Mets. Everybody knows that. But this has been one of the, the better managed rotations in baseball. Uh, no argument there. Absolutely. Um, one more picture from that piece the, that I wrote about Kingham, and that's Rick Porcello, uh, who's also throwing uh, a slider considerably more this year. Uh, but unlike Bauer, he's actually enjoying an uptick in strikeouts. And that's, you know, the part of the profile that actually two parts that don't really fit that. And the fact that he's back to getting a bunch of ground balls, which he hasn't done in, in several years. I'm not sure I buy the ground ball rate, but, um, you know, the, the, the strikeout close to one per inning, along with the great control he's been showing for a few years. Uh, I, I like it. And I, I think it, I think it'd be sustained. Yeah, no, I, I think he's someone to. Believe in, but what are we believing in? Look, obviously, again, the guy who's around a 220 ERA, XFIP says 320, uh, even if he's, you know, going back to Bauer, if he's 370, that's actually still really good. Here's the, here's the good news. The hard hit percentage is at 25%. So uh, batters are not squaring him up. The one thing that is going to regress, it's just unsustainable right now, is a two and a half home run to fly ball percentage. In the American League East, that's just not going to, you know, that's not <laughs> going to maintain. But there's a lot of things to like. He's getting people to chase more. And obviously, as you pointed out, the, you know, the slider usage is up close to 10%, maybe 8 9%. So, you know, that's going to get people to go after some pitches. That helps. He has elite first pitch strikes. He's been, you know, always at league average or better, but right now he's about that 70% mark, which is elite. So, and the, but the swinging strike percentage is kind of the same as last year, but when you factor in the other things, that's why you're seeing uh, the success that he's enjoyed. Uh, the ground ball percentage, I'll agree with you, it's circa 50%. Even if it goes to 45%, that's still good enough in my book. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, the regression that he's going to have is still, you know, for an AL East pitcher, pretty impressive, I think. So uh, it, it, as long as it goes that way. So we got to take a break. We got to. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, we're, we'll come back to this. We got to head to break. Uh, we got a lot more of these where they came from. So stick around. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and as is the case here every Tuesday, I'm joined by Matt Modica, also of uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network here. Uh, so Matt and I, uh, just uh, at the uh, before the break in the last segment, we were talking about a few players that uh, have a different look so far this year and doing our best job to try to figure out if uh, what they're doing is sustainable most of these are, are in a positive light, uh, a few uh, maybe more negative, uh, but Hunjin Ryu has definitely been uh, a pitcher who's been a pleasant surprise so far. Uh, much higher ground ball rate than we're accustomed to, 56%. Uh, lots, lots of strikeouts, even more so than usual. Uh, are you trusting Hunjin Ryu, Matt? Uh, how much can I trust him? Because I don't know how long he can stay healthy. He's always going to find his way to the disabled list. But the most encouraging thing we see here is he's kind of flipped the fly ball and ground ball percentages really here. He's really going, uh, I mean, in 56% ground ball. I don't know if that's going to happen throughout the season, but that's something to really look at. And if you look at, the, if you look at his repertoire, he's gone with the cutter. He's increased the cutter, kind of uh, pulled back a little on the changeup. So, you know, there's some good things there, but he's not really getting the chase rate that you would think with all these strikeouts that he's gotten. Swinging percentage is good. First pitch strike is below average, though. Well, yeah, it's not really hurt him in terms of walks Mm -hmm. at this point, but, yeah, maybe that's not something he can sustain. And he's got very, very favorable uh, BABIP and uh, strand rates. But uh, you're not you know, buying like, the so, 194 BABIP or the 87 percent strand rate. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah, not not really, not really. But I think it's similar to Porcello that I think when it all washes out, and again, provided he stays healthy, which is probably the biggest question for Ryu in, in any season, uh, that uh, you know he'll be plenty good to to use in just about any format. Uh, now, a couple of pitchers who've been bummers so far: Lance Lynn and Chase Anderson. Wrote a piece on Lynn for Rotographs earlier today, so I think maybe rather than belabor that, <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about uh, Lynn's season so far, besides the fact that it's been pretty poor, uh, check that out. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of Arsenal, he's uh, gone back to favoring the two seamer over the the sinker, but both have just really been been bad pitches for him in every respect, other than swings and misses. So it's been a weird season uh, for Lynn uh, in, in that he's missing a lot more bats. But uh, it, what I you know, routinely out here call the, the Robbie Ray club of missing a lot of bats but getting hit hard when contact's made. And I actually discussed that with Trevor May on the show yesterday, and he provided a, just a fantastic explanation of how that's happened for him. Um, so, uh, But uh, Chase Anderson... Uh, he just looks like he's kind of gone back to who he was before last year, and I, I really don't know what to make of that. Well, this is an interesting guy here. Right now he's got a 505 XFIP, which is 10th worst. Actually, I believe it's tied for ninth worst, excuse me, out of 90 qualified starting pitchers. The thing last year is he gained two, hours on his, uh, two miles an hour on his fastball. This year it's gone back a uh, mile per hour. The thing I look when you do the deeper dive is he had a 30% chase rate last year. This year, he's got a 25. 
He the the first pitch uh, the first pitch strike percentage pretty much the same. That hasn't changed. What has changed for him is the swinging strike percentage, which was just over ten percent last year, is now at seven percent. And this was a guy that's a career fly ball pitcher in Miller Park. I mean, the home run the fly ball rate last year was the outlier in my opinion, and one of the reasons why I was a bit skeptical on him. I do think he's a good back-of-the-rotation guy, uh, but there's things that are not looking good early on. I mean, if you have a K per nine that's just under six, you know, you're not missing many bats. And just with, like we, we mentioned with Ryu, so we got to mention with him, he's got a Babbitt just below 200 and a left-on-base percentage at 96%. So I think that XFIP, it's more telling to me. He's always been a four ERA kind of guy. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. I mean, the fact that he has the history of, of pitching more at that level, uh, you know, it makes for a, a pretty easy narrative. I'm just not sure if it's the accurate one, but that's what makes it hard to figure these things out after a month. Yeah, no, uh, we, do have, we do have a limited sample. <laughs> we do. Uh, well, in an extremely limited sample, uh, A.J. Pollock uh, hit three home runs because that's what he did last night. Uh, but he's uh, been profiling as much more of a power hitter uh, through, throughout the, uh, the month plus uh, that he's played so far. Uh, is there anything you see there that makes you think that, that Pollock is, is hitting another gear this year? Uh, maybe he's selling out a little more for power. The strikeout percentage is up a bit. I believe he's been more of like a 15%. Uh, guy now maybe he's in the low twenties, but this is a, a player that's always had really good plate skills. It's just a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I know kind of the narrative once we heard about the humidor was one of the guys that would be affected most was AJ Pollock, and he's got nine homers. Obviously, three of them came last night, so that's five home runs at Chase Field in forty-seven at bats. Yeah, and I mean, rest of the season he's a guy that. Still should hit high teens and home runs. So, you know, and steal another maybe 20 bases. So a guy with nine homers and, and six steals right now. And it's not BABIP driven. The BABIP's just over 300. The average is 290. And, you know, that that's something for me that stands out for Pollock because uh, going back to, uh, what, I guess about 20, yeah, 2015 was the breakout year for him. And at that point, he was really a, a, a reliable you know, 330-ish Babbitt hitter based on his profile. But like you said, he's, he's at least for this season, he's uh, definitely joined the fly ball revolution. Uh, yes, a, that's a great a, point, Al, because the fly ball percentage is at 45%, and the hard hit is at an all-time high for him right now over whatever this five-, six-week period at 42%. All right, well, uh, C.J. Crone, I've talked about him quite a bit because he went fly ball crazy last year, particularly in the second half uh, with a high pull rate as well. just seems like uh, he's continuing what he did, and again, maybe an easy narrative and, and much easier said than done for a player to you know have the, the full off season and then come back profiling the same way, but the, it, it seems like that's what Crone's doing. Yeah, no, that pretty much, look, you got Crone for the hopes of hitting 30 home runs, and early on that seems to be the case. Uh, you know, you, you look at the K percentage and walk percentage, it's pretty ugly. But look, you ha- you got this player for a certain need, and right now he's fully uh, fulfilling it. And could he hit 30 homers? Yeah, I believe that to be true. Yeah, well, in this way, he's already up to seven. Uh, so... He's, uh, he is getting there. Uh, D.D. Gregorius, we have talked – well, I should say I have talked about ad nauseum. So uh, I won't say another word. <laughs> Where are you at with D.D. Gregorius right now? No, I mean, I'm really liking the uh, trend he's got. You know, the walks are really up considering he was pretty much a 5% guy his whole career. Right now I think he's close to 15. The Babbitt's 290. The batting average, you know, 320-something. Is he a 320 hitter? No, I, I, I don't believe that. But what he has done this year is the fly ball percentage is at 50%. The pull percentage is almost 50%. And the hard hit rate for him, which was usually in the 20s, is at 37%. And 
So if he's pulling the ball, he's hitting it harder, he's in the perfect home park. Up until Saturday night when he homered in uh, in Anaheim, all that was his 10th homer. His previous nine had all been at home. That's right. That's right. Yeah, which, which wasn't really the pattern last year. A uh, bit of a, a home park bias in 2016. But that's kind of what made Gregorius very mysterious for me coming into this year is that he took away that easy explanation. Um, you know, but uh, like you said, kind of further money budding the waters this year with those extreme splits. Uh, now, Mitch Haniger uh, has just been on fire. He's got 10 home runs already, uh, also providing batting average. Um, you know, when he first got traded to the Mariners, I liked the power potential and the potential also to be uh, helpful with batting average. I thought he'd be more of a stolen base source. And he's only got one of those so far, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to complain. I guess the mystery here is just, um, is, is he really, you know, if not going to keep this up, but you know, is he going to be, you know, pretty much a must start guy with, uh, you know, close to elite power. I, I'm believing he's a must-start guy. Uh, the, the the plate skills are good. Uh, you know the K percentage low twenties. The walk percentage just above ten. But the BABIP isn't out of whack. It's like three fifteen or something. The average is around three ten. But the things that are we want to talk about the power supply here. Look, the chase rate. We talk about the we talk about the hit skill is only at twenty seven percent. But the fly ball is at 50%, and the hard hit percentage is at 43%. So if he can keep this up and he's hitting fly balls at that rate and had a hard hit percentage of over 40%, balls will continue to go out of the yard, and it will only get warmer. So if somebody offered you, uh, let's see. Um, well, okay, I'll go here, even though I think it's, it's probably way too easy. But if somebody offered you uh, Marcelo Zuna, for uh, your Haniger, would you take it? Ozuna for Haniger. I mean, I've never been the biggest Marcelo, Marcelo Ozuna guy. I'll probably take the track record of Ozuna, but it's a lot closer than I would have thought entering the year. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, well, uh, let's see. One other name just to drop on you, uh, and this is very selfish on my part because he's been a weekly lineup dilemma for me, and that's Francisco Cervelli, uh, another newcomer to the the fly ball club. Uh, Do you think that this is a change that will stick and allow him to actually be a a pretty good power producer? I I mean, like you said, this whole revolution, I don't know about power – if he's going to be able, you know, I don't know what to expect in the home run numbers. He's always been a good hitter, but as you stated, it is a major reversal in his profile. He went, you know, he's now hitting, you know, the ground balls are at 35, the fly balls are at 50 now. So, look, if you got Cervelli, just reap the benefit, ride it out for as long as possible, and if it is for real, hey, you know, if, you got, if he's your second catcher, that's a home run. Uh, literally and figuratively. And, I mean, for me, it's a real dilemma because the league where I have him, it's been kind of a yo-yoing between him and Wilson Ramos. So with Ramos having the leg issues, I did go with Cervelli this week. But, you know, I, I, I'm not really taking the advice of, you know, ride the hot hand because I'm thinking, but, but you know, Ramos is like a legitimate power hitter. <laughs> so. Yeah, for me, Al, it would be Ramos every week unless injured. Like, like this week, there was a reason – not to play Ramos. You know, you right. were concerned about the leg. But when healthy, it's going to be Ramos every time. All right. Well, uh, well, that, we'll put a bow on, on that one for now. Uh, I'm sure we'll, you know, revisit and, you know, maybe see how these particular players are, are doing a, a few weeks from now. Uh, fortunately for us, because we're rapidly running out of time here, not that many uh, really notable performances from Monday. You know, kind of a smaller slate. And plus, it was uh, kind of a meh night uh, in terms of, you know, real eye-popping performances, except for, you know, Pollock, who we talked about, and, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, who we talked about, but Josh Hader, that one's got to be discussed. <laughs> that it does, all, Al. That it does. All eight outs by strikeout, uh, first time that that's ever happened. Um, I've got, fortunately, I've, I've got him, uh, in, well, in a few leagues, in one league where I've got him plugged into a reliever spot, uh, so I think even if he does get saves... He, uh, like he, uh, well, you know, even if he doesn't get saves, he he can uh, he can give you value. 
Well, I look at it this way now. At one point, I was hoping maybe he got stretched out and was put in rotation. I don't want that anymore. I wow. want him to stay in this multi-inning role in the bullpen and just be lights out. Yeah. Um, you know, I really I can't argue with that. He's got a, a whole lot of value just in the role that he's in, which is a weird role because he seems to be the primary closer for the Brewers, even after well, Craig Council said he wasn't going to be a part of the committee. Uh, but you, you can't necessarily rely on him for steady saves. He's But he's just these you know multi-ending performances that are just utterly dominant. That's... Yeah, at least, you know, I, I, I like the, the version we've got and don't really want to mess it up. Yeah, I, but I think what happened was, you know, Council went with the idea of give it to Hayter in the 7th and 8th, and then in the ninth, give it to Albers or Barnes if one of them could, could, could run with it. That experiment failed. Yeah. And every t- so they, they need to get every win they can get. So now once they have a lead in that 7th inning, with an out or two, he's coming in. And as long as the pitch count don't get too high, he's going to ride it out. Yep, yep. No, that's that's the, the plan, too. Yeah, uh, we, that's a pattern that, that we've seen. Uh, now, a few starters did, uh, actually both in good and bad ways, have uh, notable performances. Uh, one of the best ones was Jacob Faria. Eight scoreless innings, only three hits, only one walk. Six Ks against the Tigers. And so, of course, this was where I decided to go out on a limb yesterday afternoon, uh, you know, hours before game time and say, I'm staying away from Faria. Uh, I did bench him in one of my uh, daily lineup leagues where I have him because uh, he had had three pretty good starts coming in, but they were all teams that struck out a lot against uh, uh, against lefties. And um, uh, the, the Tigers were uh, were not among those. So, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe it was just, uh, you know, the matchups, uh, you know, uh, giving Free a better look than, than he had. But apparently it's not just matchup driven. Yeah, no, he's actually, this is, as you said, this is a nice trend going on. It's four starts. His ERA went from 633 down to 460 with those eight shutout innings last night. And even Ryan's, uh, even even Jordan Zimmerman, he threw seven shutout, and his ERA went down to like five. So both yeah. of them got a uh, got a nice uh, boost in the ERA department last night. Yeah. By the way, a little bit of a brain freeze on that one. Uh, the the splits are against righties, uh, uh, free as a righty. But I'm so used to talking, you know, about pitcher splits in terms of focusing on lefties. But um, you get the general point about Faria there. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Zimmerman, he's uh, he's got twenty four percent strikeout rate on the season, and I that you know we could have easily tossed him into the conversation of potential fake outs, but the overall results. I mean, this is really his first good start overall, so uh, did think it was really worth picking the nits on that one. Uh, and then uh, Sonny Gray, a, a quality start, but you know still not great. Uh, four strikeouts, three walks against the Astros, but only two runs over six innings. So uh, you think maybe uh, he's turning it around? or, or he well, I, mean, better? I don't think he's as bad as he's pitched. I'm not the biggest Sonny Gray guy, but I think he will get better. If you're a Sonny Gray owner, even if it wasn't the greatest, you'll take it. All right. Well, I'd hope to talk about the not so great starts from Jake Arietta, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, I promise we talk about Nick Ahmed. I'm uh, going to break that promise because we're out of time, Matt. So, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Matt, for uh, sticking with me for the whole hour. Always here, a pleasure. As you always do. And have a great one, everybody. See you tomorrow. <laughs>